it, but then this, um, you know, fortunately this, the, the, uh, this project picked up a lot of steam. We had, okay. Um, I got hooked up with Motif, the producer. He's, um, Mark Anthony's producer and an amazing, amazing, nice. he's incredible. So we start working on a daily basis and that really for both of us, like we'd, he'd come over here, play the pianos or I'd go to his studio and we just vibe off each other, you know, that's awesome. Pretty much all day. That really, that just lifted me like, you know. Tokyo tonight. Tonight. How you guys doing? Good. How are you, man? I'm great. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. And again, I love your concept. It's so cool. It's Thanks. like perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was it was just one of those things to keep us both sane during this whole yeah. thing and uh, and hopefully kind of give everybody else a little bit of a break, too. So it was uh, it's been fun. So and plus I get to meet people like you who I feel like I just wouldn't get to meet if I was constantly on the road all the time and, you know, uh, traveling. That's the positive side of this whole um, shit show, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've been, uh, have you, you said you've been doing these for what, like 18 months, basically just doing the, um, you know, Zoom stuff and whatever? Starting in late February, early March. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, she hit the fan and, you know, I guess where you guys are in, in the East Coast. Yeah. Then uh, it's just everything here shut down uh, after right after that, and you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> was it how easy? Like, was the transition easier for you? Did you kind of pick up on it immediately, or did you have that kind of thing where you were like, eh, "In a couple months, we'll all be fine and back out on the road," <laughs> or were you like, "I need a mic," you know? Bro, I was like a couple weeks. I mean, I'm, I'm like, a, <laughs> ah, this is, <laughs> and then when it's on, when it, you know, this this shit is not going away anytime soon. It was, right. it was easy. You know, I was going constantly, you know, you know, traveling uh, and all of a sudden there's no planes, uh, mm-hmm. no concerts. You know, I'm sitting right. there, you know, between four walls, say, and for the first two weeks, just basically crying into my beer. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and then I, I, you know, I had to do, I had to do something positive and that, you know, so I yeah. started on this project. That's see, that's the coolest thing to me. I feel like, uh, you know, everybody's always looking for some kind of silver lining through this whole thing. And like the amount of art that I think came out of it, just different um everybody kind of tweaking and changing their style of what they're doing like I, as much as i like kind of didn't really like the comedy zoom show stuff i feel like it would have been a little lost without having some kind of connection or, or something to do with other people you know interesting about comedy and music they are like kind of different sides of the same coin mm-hmm. yes <laughs> How do you think the pandemic has changed comedians are they still as, as uh you know, ironic and <laughs> <laughs> even I think even more. Well, first of all, somehow it birthed more of them. So I don't I don't know, man. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's the same way with the music. And like, no, see, that's the thing. I feel like with music, like you can't you can't get people who can kind of sing and you can't get people who can kind of play an instrument. You either you either can do it well or you can't. And I feel like everybody thinks they're fucking funny. And, you know, so like there was, there was this whole transition of like people who couldn't get into the clubs who were like, I'm going to put on a Zoom show. And then like it didn't matter if they got laughs or not. Um, so it, it, but now that things are kind of opening back up, they're going out like I kind of see them out in the clubs and I'm just like, 
you don't belong here yet. <laughs> like, it's yeah. really weird. It's that's a, yeah, it's brutal, but at the same time, yeah. Again, I started doing streaming like everyone else, which is great. You know, I sit there, and then you finish, and it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be, you know, community, and you know, right away if someone likes what you're doing or not, like what you guys do, yes. you know. Yeah. Computer, you know, okay, I got something now. <laughs> you know, there, talking to a computer, it's, it's you know. Yeah, yeah. It it is kind of weird, and like, but do you do you um did you did you kind of like and embrace the whole like if you were playing a, a concert basically or doing something on Zoom or streaming or whatever? Did you kind of go back and look to see the response that people had, or did you walk away from it afterward? I I did because I was wondering how it went. The first one I did, I, I think it was like actually it was St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Uh, oh, and nice. it got like 3,000 people or 4,000. We said, okay, this isn't bad. Then I did one the next, started doing happy hours every Friday. Then the next one oh, got like 20,000. And then in a couple of weeks, it was like 120,000. It was oh, insane. Wow. But I was just, wow. you know, I just started practicing. Okay, what can I do? Oh, Beatles, uh, uh, anything, Queen, you know, solo piano, <laughs> just anything I could pull out of my hat, just, you know, just started to come up with, uh, in, you know, work. But again, it's not the same as going to the studio and, and producing right. stuff and, you know. Yeah. How, when did you, when did you decide to start working on the project end of it? Like, did it, did it take you a bit to kind of get back into the mindset of like, okay, I need to make something during this time? Yeah. Cause my, um, so I had to go to resume with Sony, my label. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Do your second album. What do you want to do? And um, I had this concept for really long, actually since I was 17, I grew up in Detroit, but wow. you know, I started playing professionally at 17 in bars and clubs and, you know, with my band, it was the mm -hmm. house in some social hall and, and a lot of times if they couldn't afford the whole band uh the agent would say okay we'll send arthur and his piano and the female vocalist like arthur you know, <laughs> whatever parties and but, but it's actually i did it hundreds of times and it's a it's mm -hmm. a, a format that i love so i always had it in the back of my mind um but then the pandemic hit and i was thinking okay now is the perfect time you know no one's traveling everyone's home uh let's get I'll just call some of my best friends there's, there's women on the album and they all said yes immediately their one was in colombia was in colombia connie was wow. in puerto rico and they thought he was in spain uh it was insane but they all came to miami and uh we, you know we went to the studio live mm -hmm. and we went to the faena hotel they which was shut down they just let us use it basically oh, wow. and we filmed the hbo special there so that's incredible that yeah. they let you do that that's really cool yeah, it was John and Tom it was the weirdest feeling. Like we walk in and it's this beautiful, beautiful hotel, and they have a great theater, like about three hundred people. Um, mm -hmm. They took all the furniture out, and we just basically made it into a giant soundstage. Wow. And then when people come in. There's like forty people working on the on the set, and uh, I'll never forget. Connie comes in with a mask and a shield. This is in October when it, you know it was like raging, like it is. Right. Like, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I had two masks on, and we were both looking at each other, like with a look in our eyes, like. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> this is no, this is not. I swear to. But then we said, okay, we're here to make music. We took a mask off. We just went. No one got sick, fortunately. And, nice. You know, in this energy, this positive, this weird kind of energy came out because no one had been performing for so long. It's, it's like ah, oh, I can play again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Finally, being able to do like to use your talent in that way, or just to get out and see other people. It, it, it like it's like seeing somebody for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, right. Are you guys out, going out on the road now again? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm starting to book shows. I've got shows in the fall. Tom's been gigging. I have been gigging a lot for some reason, but it's, yeah. it's crazy because you get like that panic of exactly that. We're like, I don't yeah. know if I should be doing this yet. <laughs> right. But the energy's there and you need like I think we all need energy to really perform right. 
So yeah. you feed back and forth off of that vibe so much. You've got to have that energy. And I, we finished one song and uh, it's only 40 people, but this is uh, October. So let's see, I stopped playing. My last concert was like in February. So like eight, nine months and we finished and just start, like the, the crew starts clapping. <laughs> Euphoria. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My first show back was in, uh, was in New York. And it was one of those things where I was like, I get down to the, you know, you go into the basement of these clubs or whatever. And I walk yeah. downstairs and like, I see the audience and like people, you know, I think only one person had a mask on and everybody else had their mask off. And I first I went in with my mask on. I was fully vaccinated at this point. I didn't want to go out until I was. And, yeah. you know, everybody was kind of doing their thing or whatever. And then finally, like actually like taking off that mask was like a bit of panic. But then also like just hitting the stage. You forget about it. As soon as you get the people yeah. laughing and and the response from the audience, you just forget all that shit. And then when I got off, it was immediate panic again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this feels right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How has it been in Miami? I mean, are you guys holding up okay in Miami? Yeah. It's, I mean, according to many people in Miami, uh, there is no pandemic and there never was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Does that help? I feel like, does the delusion help? <laughs> the delusion. Yeah. Like last April, I'm like with two masks and then you see these Miami Beach, everyone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I know. I know it was. I kept seeing those photos of people. I can't remember where it was, but it was one place in Florida or whatever where it was like this outdoor cesspool. <laughs> Basically, like everybody. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's iconic. That's that image. Yeah. yeah, whatever it was, I was like, I knew I'd seen it before, but like it was during COVID, and I was like, oh, I, those people are gone. Uh, they're not gonna make it. Um, what was, so I got so when you what, what was your do you remember your first I always ask people this because I'm fascinated by whether they remember it or not do you remember your first paid gig as a performer my first paid gig um yeah um I have six brothers and sisters um I have a big Irish family I have eight uncles on my dad's side every Sunday wow. they'd come over and they'd have some drinks and hey, Arthur play piano I was like 12 you know and so <laughs> <laughs> my uncle came up because I do it every Sunday I, I love to play in front of people anyway mm -hmm. He's like, he gave me two bucks and said, look, you'll never forget this. Your first paid gig. Wow. And I, I never forgot. That was so nice. I'm, I can make money doing this. <laughs> that's fantastic. I, that's the first time we ever had somebody who had a family member pay them. Everyone's like, I was in this shithole. And immediately, that's got to set you up for like some kind of a disappointment at the end. Like, this is that easy? And you go. And you but then yeah, I'm free too. And then you can get your first real gig. Uh, you know, it's like, wow, this is amazing. Like, we were the house band at the social hall for like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, weddings and, and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, I'll eat for 17. You get to eat cake. I can have some rum and cokes and not <laughs> money. Like, this is great. Oh, that's great. What was your what, like? Because you, you're doing, like you said, like you've been doing like Latin music. What cause was kind of like? Was it always that way, or did you just kind of fall in love with it over time? Like, what did you start out playing? No, I, I you know I fell in love with the piano when I was six, um, mm -hmm. and I always had this passion for it. My parents are Irish immigrants, and um, like, like I said, I have six brothers and sisters. I'm like, you know, I really want to play piano. I do this, and my dad's like, you know, I don't see it. We all work here. You got to work. You know, what are you doing? <laughs> 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 I don't see it. That's so great. Yeah, in Spanish. When I do interviews in Spanish, no lo veo. I mean, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, let's do something. You know, I know you're working hard. Uh, audition places. You know, if you get in to, to a really mm -hmm. good school, like in New York, where the best are, then maybe maybe we'll talk. So um, I worked my ass off, and I actually got into Manhattan School of Music. Um, 
which as you know, was in Morningside Heights. And uh, yes. I was living there. My parents didn't realize was that the neighborhood to this day, especially back in the late 80s, early 90s, it, it's you know, Dominican, uh, Colombian, uh, Boricua, Puerto Rican. And it was impossible for me not to hear, you know, all that all that music. You know, mm -hmm. Detroit, I was playing Motown gigs with all the, very already moved to LA, but all the, uh, the older guys stayed behind. So these guys were much older than me, but they, I learned so much hanging out with them and how to improvise, think on my feet, play, okay, change to, you know, right. change ups all the time. So then I got to New York and I heard the Latin music and I was like, yeah, man, this is just like a kind of a natural extension of what I, what I was doing. So. Wow. Wow. That's incredible, man. <clears throat> Do you have a, um, anybody that was like, that you were trying to model yourself after in the very early beginning, like somebody that you admired? Well, I just, all the best Latin bands that were coming to New York, like Grupo Nietzsche from Colombia, Gran Combo de Puerto Rico, they were all there. I would just hang out and listen and absorb. Um, but I was studying classical music because my parents said, look, you got, you need your classical background. Mm -hmm. But then my mom started calling me Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because during the day I'd be like, <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's incredible. <clears throat> when you, um, when it, like, it, like it said, you were the number one um, pianist in the Billboard chart. Do you remember like that day, like getting that call? Like, what is that? What is that? What is that experience even like? I was good. I was on a plane. I was actually in New York and I was coming back to Miami and walking down the aisle and my uh, manager calls. And he goes, dude, dude, it's number one. It's number one. And I'm like, you know, you're fighting for a seat. I'm like, what? What are you talking? What's number one? It's like eight in the right. morning, not till three in the morning, you know, at night before. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking song, you idiot. Our song. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's got to be fucking surreal, man. It, it was because, yeah, you know, it was my third album and the first two albums, uh, to be honest, it was not easy. You know, everyone's like, who's this Irish guy playing Latin music? But, but you know, the fuck it. Right, right, right. To get accepted. Uh, and I just kept plugging away and working. It's like, you know, playing comedy, you just do it and do it. And people, okay, this guy's mm -hmm. really good, whatever. And and then I did a collab with Tito Nieves from Puerto Rico. That was the song. And right. um, it just took off. And then it hit number one. So that kind of that, that changed a lot of stuff. That's was funny. It, was it, Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say that's funny because you went from being who is this Irish guy doing Latin music to the Irish guy that does Latin music. Yeah. <laughs> like you turn into the standard as opposed to being like, who is this? That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I left New York and I moved. That's exactly what happened. So I moved to uh, LA and, you know, I had my gig, my, uh, my concept and everything and playing gigs. Um, Constantly all the time, but locally and no record labels would, you know, I was just a guy playing Latin music. I'm like, fuck it, I gotta go to Miami. That's the heart of everything. And then within one year, I got signed by a, a label in LA because all of a sudden I was like, just what you said. Yeah. You know? So yeah, yeah. crazy. Was there, a lot of, was there a lot of pushback breaking into the scene? Um, pushback, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't, didn't get any like uh, <laughs> death threats or phone calls like that. <laughs> I did. I'll never forget. I went to, uh, you know, to Miami. I was so excited. I had my first contract. I had to fly back to LA. I go in mm -hmm. and Fono Visa is this Latin. It, it couldn't be a more Latin label. You walk in, it's this huge, you know, no one speaks a word of English. And I go in right. really excited. And I see like the, uh, you know, the, the person at the front desk, she's taking, and your name, uh, she's looking at me like, oh, this must be the new accountant. This is, <laughs> like, no, I'm Arthur. Ah, no, come on in. So, oh, yeah, that's great. It's not easy though, you know. Yeah. And have you mastered the language as well? Like what, like, did you master the music and then did you move into speaking a little bit of Spanish? Cause I would think that like on your tours, you must deal with a lot of people with a very heavy 
like Latin speaking base. Oh yeah, all the all the time. I just made it. I never studied anything, but you know, I picked it up. You know, started in New York. Really, mm -hmm. uh, musician friends. Hey, after I said gringo, and there's a gringo guy that plays Latin music, <laughs> uh, little by little, and then you pick it up, and it's very yeah. musical too, and that helped. And one time, uh, I that was I took it as a compliment. <laughs> uh, I played this gig. Um, it was like a benefit, you know, for this like mainstream audience in L.A. And I finished this woman's guy, you know, we start talking. I gotta tell you, your English is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> you just take the compliment of that, but you're like, thank you. I've been really uh, thank you. Uh, I'm from Detroit. But <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Detroit's bad, but it's not that bad. <laughs> we still we still get English there. Uh, <laughs> that's incredible. Oh my God. So what, like in, in the music scene and stuff like, cause I'm always curious when I talk to musicians or anything like that is, are you guys like kind of, and I know this is a weird way to put it, but are you all aware of each other? Do you like, 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 do you look at the last guy that was at the place and do you have any competition there? Like, man, this guy played this venue before me, he sold out. I gotta, I gotta sell it out. Or is it just kind of chill with everybody in the scene? And it depends. You with. Other musicians, it's chill, but the business part is definitely uh, like, all right. How much okay. did he sell? How much? I mean, it's right. like, I'm sure it's what you guys deal with all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is. It's kind of weird, and I always feel like I always wonder if it bugs musicians as much. Like, like I think like for comedy and comedians, like we try not to let that interfere with like the, you know what I mean. We let the other people kind of handle that shit. But then sometimes it kind of, you know, it does. It kind of overlaps because you're like, oh, they did, they did this, they did how much or whatever. But I feel like whenever I talk to the musicians, you guys just admire the shit out of each other. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, there's yeah. definitely that vibe, that mutual respect, you know. Yeah, um, and stuff. it's hard. Like it's, it's always, hard. Yeah, and they make you do promo. Like I did my last tour was uh, November 2019, and everywhere mm -hmm. you go, you know, you, you see you have a show wherever you get there two days before, and you have to do promo to the radio stations, do all that. Mm -hmm. which is like that's the really the work like we always say between ourselves you know what i'll play for free just pay me for doing the promo <laughs> yeah 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 exactly yeah the promo stuff is always is always really difficult um when you were when you were like just like you know during the whole pandemic or whatever was there ever a point uh where you got like you know just kind of down about like i know you were doing your zoom shows and stuff like that too but like was there ever just a moment where you just didn't want to do it because i know for me like even sometimes where i was like it was going on so long you were just like what is the you know, am I even affecting anything? What's the point? Did you ever get down about it? Yes, I had the exact same experience. Right. <laughs> I started doing it in St. Patrick's Day, and then right around the middle of June, I'm like, you know, what is this? It was a happy right. hour. So, okay, happy hour. Yeah, I can, I can go for a happy hour right now. Yeah. <laughs> but just, yeah, you're like playing into a computer. It's like, come on. Yeah. This is, you know, there's like, yeah. You're like, is this performing? <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you have any kind like, what did you do to get yourself out of it? Or did you just keep playing? Like, it was it just about, you know, I, I tapered them off. Completely because, but then this, um, you know, fortunately, this, the, the, uh, this project picked up a lot of steam. We mm -hmm. had, okay. Um, I got hooked up with Motif, the producer. He's, um, Mark Anthony's producer and an amazing, amazing, nice. uh, amazing. he's incredible. So we started working on a daily basis and that really for both of us, like we, he'd come over here, play the pianos, or I'd go to his studio and we just vibe off each other, you know, that's awesome. Pretty much all day. That really, that just lifted me. Like you know, what was the point? Number, you know? Yeah. yeah. What, what was the point in your career where you thought like, holy shit, this is happening and it's real? Like, was it opening for somebody huge, or working with somebody, or was it like maybe like your first sold out? Like, what was the point where you were like, oh my god, this is actually real? Um, I, I did um 
they have these giant Latin radio, uh, like radio shows where they invite several artists. Um, and they, I got a call for a week. Okay, there's SBS is the name. You know, they're all over the country. We got this big show. It's in New York. Where is it? Madison Square Garden. Like, and they want, they wanted me to do. So I, I did that, and that was like, I walked in. You were backstage, and then you know, you have your own dressing room, and you hear the like it's the when you're about to go on. Right, right. Hit your pants a little bit for the first time because you're nervous in America. But but it was great, and you start breathing, and you know. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever suffer from any kind of stage fright or anything like that? Or was it just you had the performers like skilling you all along? No, I always get a little bit nervous, but that I like mm. to, I mean, I think I get more nervous if I didn't get nervous to be like, oh, what's going on? Not, you, you know, did, how about you guys? Do you get that like edge before you? No, I, com I completely agree. And I'm always curious because I always feel like, <clears throat> one, I feel like when people tell me they don't get nervous before they go on, I'm like, you're totally full of shit or you suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of those two. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I get that like, I, like I get that thing, like literally I'll be standing next to the stage and my brain is just going, you know, you can run. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I like, I can see the exit out of my perip and I'm like, it's right there. You don't need to do this. <laughs> and, and then you just go and do it. Yeah. There's always that moment of like 30 seconds of sheer panic. And then, you know, when the lights come on, you're like, Hey, it's fight or flight. And you want to fight. Yeah, exactly. Then something kicks in, uh, you know? It's yeah. Like I feel like it's it's very like for me it's the prequel is nothing but anxious and panic and stress. But the mm. minute it starts, I'm at home and it's perfect. Yeah, and nothing like there is nothing that could go wrong because uh, you know how it is live performance. Nothing could go. Nothing goes wrong because nothing they don't know what's supposed to happen next, mm -hmm. right? So it's always gonna go right in my head. Then when it's over, it feels like I just had sex. And it's just like, <sighs> like you're basking in that crazy <laughs> glory of, of the accolades and like the like every such a sense of relief. So it's crazy. That, that is it exactly. And then for music, there's always a little. You have a monitor in your dressing room, so you can see exactly what's going. Okay, you have half an hour, then like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, and then you put it in your ears, you know, and you can then you hear the <laughs> then you get yeah really. But that once once you go out there, for me it's like it's weird. Like every kind everything kind of slows down. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's like I'm playing like half speed. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you finish and yeah. <laughs> we get it. You both have had sex. We're all very impressed. <laughs> I get I'm sure it. him more than me. Latin it. music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. That is interesting though. Like, cause I know that like for comedians too, like even when you're performing, like sometimes, you know, when I started the nervous energy, you'd start talking faster. Do you, do you ever get that where you're like, we you have to like, Oh, I got to slow down just a little bit. Like where you're playing a little faster or does that not happen? Not with my playing, but my speaking definitely, especially when I first started. And everyone's looking at their like little bro, like, is, who was that? What's his name? He said his name, but I didn't hear it. <laughs> he said it too fast. Yeah. I get this only about flying. I don't know if you're like, but I, I like to this day and I've flown, God, I've been on planes since I was like six months old. Like, you know, and now for traveling, you're on the plane all the time too. But like taking off is the worst experience for me every fucking time. But once I'm like sitting in the air, I don't care how high we are. I don't care whatever the fuck, a turbulent, whatever, nothing bothers me. But it's just that initial takeoff for me is always like, like white knuckling the seats. And everyone's like, are you all right? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, do you? Did you miss the? I missed the traveling more than uh, like I. I didn't realize how much I missed packing a bag. 
you know, and just I, I packed one just in case. Like I, I think I've had one bag packed for the last year and a half. Where I was like, now can we go now? <laughs> I didn't go anywhere for uh, till like what six weeks ago. I had to go. Then I went to LA, did some stuff, and I went to New York two weeks ago. Oh, and yeah, nice. my but my backpacking chops were like totally gone. Like I used to be able to do it in like ten seconds. You know, I'm like where do I put this again now? You know, I had it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I realized I didn't have to. Like I, I real the other day I was packing. I was going somewhere and uh, and I was like literally throwing stuff in my bag like I was fleeing the country. And I was like, I could take my time here. <laughs> like I don't know, but I was just like, I need this, this, this. <laughs> like I don't know what I was doing. It was weird. It still it still feels weird to like do anything because now they you know they keep talking about uh you know shutting everything down again I'm like I will I will fucking lose my goddamn mind <laughs> but you know at least we still I feel like we're masters at this now at least for the for the most part like this yeah. like I like how chill you are with your piano just right there and like this is the best setup I've had. you're the like the most calm guest I feel like like no one's like you're not checking your everybody else we had was like checking their, <laughs> you see the background and you're just like yeah, I got a piano. <laughs> he doesn't well, have a piano. Yeah. I like to get ready. Yeah, two pianos. Yeah, that's right. Two pianos yeah. and a guitar. Another one there. there. <clears throat> Five minutes before, you know, I, I just, yeah, I just kind of get like, okay. You've got to get in this mood that I'm, you know, that I'm me. <laughs> have you ever thought about, like, because you said you talk when you're on stage a little bit. Do you ever do like a little riff and some comedy in between? Like, you know, just like a slow little with some one-liners in there? Because I feel like you can pull it off. Yeah, you know, that's a great idea. I, I should do that. You know what I do do though? Um, I pick someone out, out in the audience and like I started doing a couple of years ago and I got to get, kind of get a feel for them. I'm, like, I'm going to play your personality. And, and then I kind of play their personality on the piano. And yeah, most of the time you can get pretty close. You know, I can read someone, you know, in the audience. And yeah. uh, so that's I love genius. Stuff like that. That, is, that is absolutely. Wait, could you do us? Uh, <laughs> well, I've, now, I've never asked a guest to do anything before, but I'm like, this is fascinating. Uh, think about it, but well, you, you could do it later. Don't, I don't, don't put him on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Let him digest spot, your that personality. Is, uh, that I got some ideas. I got some ideas. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, so John would be like, uh, he's got like a, like obviously like a, kind of a wacky side. It's really funny. <laughs> Nice. At the same time, like, a, like you know, uh, like an intelligent thing, a world view kind of thing, which is more relaxed. So then together. So, you know, I don't know that is like, incredible. That you <laughs> come up. I love that you can improvise like that on the spot. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anybody just randomly do. That's a great. That's a great thing to do for the audience because I like. I like when something brings in a uniqueness to each show, like it, like they feel like that show is unique to any other show. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing. But speaking of comedy, I have so much respect for for comedians. I know how much work is involved, and you know, try to. It's like me. You try to make it. You have to make it look easy. And but I yeah. know. So to try to come out like I'm like you guys. You know. That's why if something I say something funny. Great. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, and like I again, like I I've always I have a keyboard, which is just it's so sad because it's still got all the stickers on it. Like <laughs> I'm not good at like I can I'm I can memorize stuff, and I've got songs that I remember from like back in the day or whatever. But like I'm not. I wish I was I was like good at playing the piano. It's like one of the I think it's one of the coolest things to play. 
What John's trying to say is he wants to duet with you, but he's only going to play chopsticks. <laughs> if you could just put those stickers on that other piano, I'm pretty sure I can figure something out. But I see you have, you have a guitar in the background, too. Do you play any other instruments? Yeah, that saxophone. Uh, right, saxophone? You know, sometimes you, okay, I want to write something, and you tend to... You know, you have to, I have to get out of my comfort zone because if you stay in the same place, I imagine like writing a joke and you start thinking along the same lines. So yeah. I like something to jar me out of what the, you know, my mindset. Mm -hmm. So I pick up a guitar, which I'm not really good at at all, but it, 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 you know, it's a whole other mentality, if that makes sense. Right. And, and something that sometimes that helps, helps me come up with stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. When you're, what, what is your writing process like when you're writing something? Because is it just, I imagine like, you know, you worked with these other women before and they're they're doing, obviously they're singing with your music. Are you writing with them? Are you writing the music first? Are you writing the lyrics first? What is the first thing that pops into your head? Well, for songwriting, it's usually one of two things that's um, based on reality, something, which well, I miss planes too, because I love, you know, they're great places for material. You know, you mm -hmm. see a couple, you know, or, or maybe it's a tryst or, or maybe their their last date that they're already on their girlfriend or maybe, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities. So it's right. either that based on reality or something in my own life or like a fantasy, like I'm on the beach and the most beautiful woman in the world walks by and we end up, you know, mm. spending three days on the beach. You know, that's. A, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so but in this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I like where your head's at there. It's been a while. <laughs> no, no, with the piano and mujer, there's five, you know, people, I, women I know so well uh, mm -hmm. in you know, we're going to do it separately because uh, because of COVID. So Arthur, record your pianos. Uh, the women, they'll do it. Then we'll just put everything together. And then with Motif, right? No fucking way. We're going to the studio. We've got to do this right. We've got the time. No one's flying. And so that, you know, normally a session is three or four hours. We had like three days for each, which was amazing to really mm -hmm. go, oh, let's try this. We had, oh, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, no rush. So it, it was really, you know, I always want to say I'm looking for the magic. And we had a lot more time to try to find it, you know, mm -hmm. because of COVID. Yeah. Do you like to um like how structured is a is a performance as a show for you? Because like like you said, you got the implementation of like you know you'll you'll go to the crowd a little bit and you'll kind of play their personality and stuff like that. But like, are you guys all in tune with each other enough where if you decide you're gonna go on a riff, the band automatically follows you? Like, how does that work? Like, are you do you do you keep it basically to what you want to do, or do you are you able to play? Yeah, I like to call all audibles, you know, do surprises and, and stuff like that. Uh, and you can tell too that when someone, you can read the audience and you start feeling more energy. Yeah, keep it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is working. This mm -hmm. is working. And, oh, nice. and sometimes not. You're know, like, let's get out of this one and go to the next one. <laughs> Was it, does it work better if, like, because you do you, you play with the same people all the time, right? Yeah, pretty much. Well, it's like a group. Yeah. Yeah, it's a group. Yeah. So, like, does it, is it like a musician's kind of mindset, though? Like, if you get somebody new in there, do you know, you know, automatically if they can play like any, you know what I mean? Like, is it, um, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say almost like it's, but improvising, like, cause I know you've got your, your group, right? So, you know, you guys can play. Do you ever get somebody else in the mix where you're like, all right, you know, we gotta, we gotta keep it kind of, do, do you try to like push them a little bit to be like, I wonder if this guy can keep up with us, <laughs> like fuck with them a little bit? Yeah. Like everyone used to do to me. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> But there's so many amazing musicians, and so the musical director would say, "Okay, this guy's. We're in New York. We're not taking so and so, but New York's got this other guy that's nice. amazing. When you go to rehearsal, you can tell in five seconds that this right. guy's amazing, and that that's so much fun too. And then you can just start riffing and 
uh, and then playing off each other and you know that's cool that is that is awesome yeah i i'm so fascinated by the music world because i just don't it's like a whole other like i don't understand you know what i mean like i i can't play an instrument i've tried I do have a, I always, Tom knows this a many times. I've got a banjo that hangs on my wall. It's beautiful. I've broken the string. I don't know how many times. I can't really tune it for shit. Um, but I'm interested in all that kind of stuff. And it just, it just blows me away. But how about you? I'm sorry, you want to have time? Oh, no, go ahead, Arthur. Go ahead. No, so, so how about your, your, like, uh, your rundown? Is your rundown, like, you know, I'm doing, going from bit to bit, word for word, or is it just kind of a concept and then it's different every time slightly or? It's um, yeah, for me, for me, I love to be able to, that's why I keep asking the improvised questions because I love to do that kind of stuff. Like I do have like the jokes that I like to tell. I know I've got like, you know, an hour on stage, but it gets boring for me if I just keep doing the same thing. Like, unless I'm like, you know, doing an album or shooting like a, a thing where I have to have that specific material on. I love playing with the audience. I love trying out new material and mixing up my stuff. And, you know, um, I also love watching the comics that are on before me. Because if, you know, something hits the audience in a certain way, I'm like, oh, I've got some new stuff I want to try out. And that kind of, you know, mixes well with that. So I love playing all the time. Like, you know, that's the best thing about being on the road to me because I don't feel like, first of all, comedy clubs don't make you famous anymore. So it's not like I'm ever risking anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, no, I can't come back to Poughkeepsie. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, I did, you know, whatever. But I love, I love to be able to play. I find it so interesting, too, because I feel like musicians, like the higher level of musician, the more accommodating they are to other musicians. I have a friend that plays with uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings he was with for a long time, right? Cool. So he was just out in the bar drinking with my brother and our other friend, and there was a band playing. And he's like, hey, I got I got my <laughs> I got my instrument in the car. You mind if I come up and jam with you? He's like, uh, maybe next week. The guy in the bar says to him, he's like. <laughs> All right, cool. I'm on tour. I'll be in Colorado next week. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, that was pretty shitty of that guy. He's like, I would always be open to helping other musicians. And I yeah. feel like it's funny. Like, the higher you get, the more accommodating I feel like it gets. Well, probably the guy in the bar, he may have been intimidated. Who knows? You know, maybe you know this guy could be really good. And <laughs> Yeah. Right. I don't think he was just being cool. Like, he's a very, like, you would... You would never know it. We went to go see them. Uh, they opened for like Hall and Oates in the garden one time. So yeah. we're just, we're leaving and he's going to get on the subway and we see him. We're like, oh, we'll give you a ride back. <laughs> like you don't have to jump on the subway. You would never know. You just performed in front of a sold out garden, which was crazy. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, the, the guy that he asked that said, you know, come back next week. Maybe he yeah. thought, you know. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where, where is your favorite place you've ever played? Like you must tour all over. Right, international. I would think a lot of Latin American countries. Yeah. What What is um, your favorite so far? I gotta say, New York is is uh, you know, just because that's where I found my my cause, my calling. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it kind of the, the whole thing was like this whole concept was born in New York, and uh, you know, that, that my first big gig was there at Madison Square Garden a couple of years ago. I did a thing at Nassau Coliseum, which was amazing, and the energy that you get in New York is just. It's you know, you know yeah. yeah yeah and everyone knows what you do you can't bullshit anyone about you know ah no I'm really good you know they're like <laughs> you can tell in five seconds you can play or not <laughs> yeah exactly um, were you ever like do you get starstruck and if you do like who was the guy that like or or girl or whatever like who you were like holy shit like nervous to meet I did once um, 
I've, I've always just because you know they're musicians. They're and like you, Tom, you were saying they're you know they're accommodating too, and they 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 know you. But once um about ten years ago, I did a PBS special called Encanto del Caribe, the Charm of the Caribbean, in mm. Puerto Rico, it's in this castle. It was the first PBS special of, on Latin music, and so I invited Mark Anthony, um, Laura Pausini from Italy, and and Cheo Feliciano, who's Puerto Rican, who was like seventy four at the time, and. Wow. One of my biggest inspirations, we started playing this jam, and I started. And I'm doing that, and I invited Bernie Williams too. You know, he can, comes out with his guitar, so I'm jamming with Bernie. And all of a sudden, Chael comes out, and he puts his arm on the piano like this. The crowd goes crazy. And <laughs> <laughs> pulled together, dude. <laughs> completely, we're like, you know, I don't know. Wow. Starstruck, the guy was, you know, was one of my, he's a living, living legend. And, and yeah, so. that, that, yeah. I got nerve wracked because he did it to you while you were playing. Like, I thought, I was thinking like, oh, you met somebody backstage or you're about to go on. Somebody actually that you, that you were like starstruck by while you're playing is. Yeah, he grabs the mic because, you know, he's done, he was like with the first, like, uh, way back, like doing kind of improvising rap in Spanish and English, mixing, and he, and he puts his arm on my shoulder and he takes the mic and, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> just a complete out of body experience. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm watching yourself. Come on, get your shit together, man. Come on, just play. Just play. <laughs> oh my god, incredible! <laughs> I'd love to talk about. So, how did I mean? Could you tell me a little bit about the women that are on this, uh, the HBO Max thing? How did you? Because you said you were very close with them. How did you guys meet? How did you decide to pick them? And you know, just can you tell me a little bit about them? Well, I love doing collabs, um, but I really truly believe in, in chemistry. You know, uh, it's like when you meet someone, there's chemistry, and sometimes they're not. I, I have a yeah. really hard time working with someone if, if I don't feel, you know, comfortable in a chemist chemistry with them. And with these all five of them, you know, the minute we met, there there was this amazing chemistry. Um, Connie uh, Garcia, she's from Puerto Rico. She's won Grammys, um, Anglo Grammys, Latin Grammys. Uh, we met like four years ago at a dinner, and we just kind of started talking about music. Oh, then turns out she's a, she plays the cello too. It was her first instrument. Oh my God. She's got all kinds of stories, but she sings her ass off. She's just so amazing. Natalia Menes, um, I've known for, uh, she's from Spain. Uh, and I invited her uh, to the PBS special with Mark Anthony too, and we became great mm -hmm. friends there. And, and Gojo um, is from Colombia, Evaluna Montaner, and Nelas from New York, he's Venezuelan. So you know, I get, we, the project got green lighted with Sony. And I didn't really think that, oh, we had these ideas, let's do something strategic. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna call my friends and see it first, people. And all five of them, like, Arthur, what are you doing? Yeah, how's the family? No, I'm here, like me too, let's do something. What do you want? And they all said like, yeah, let's let's do it. They flew up and yeah, that really That's helped. Incredible. Yeah, so when I got sick of doing the, um, the streamings, you know, like you were saying that 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 came up. I started working with Motif, and then we started, you know, vibing with these with with the women, and and that like their energy just started, you know, yeah, building and building. Yeah, there's nothing better when working Amazing. with friends, especially during a crisis. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of funny too because I don't know if you felt the same way, but like, do you remember when you were in like school or there there was something? Because I feel like when you get older, you don't have this anymore, where it's like school or a job like a day job that you hated or whatever uh you made friends in those situations because you all felt like you didn't want to be there but you had to make the best of it like there's nothing better than a group of people in a small room who don't want to be there <laughs> like not that like, you know what i mean like but, but that's how you make those connections and those friendships and stuff and yeah. i feel like that's that's kind of what covid was for a lot of people who got to collab 
like I got to talk to comedians that I never get to see because we're always on different, you know, in different states and different parts of the country or whatever. And we're all basically headliners. So we never get to work together. But then for this kind of thing, it was COVID was this compact. It just made the world smaller. Yeah. It's kind of like this, you know, extended traffic school, you know, with <laughs> that's the best analogy that I've heard. Extended traffic school. Yeah, this fucking sucks, but let's make the best. Time. Yeah. <laughs> you find out all your friends are there too. Like you're too. Exactly. You got you got pulled over by COVID too. <laughs> you're all in jail together. Um, that's fucking. That's phenomenal. What's like? Do you have like a? Because I know, like you said, you've been traveling. You go all over the place. Uh, what's do you have like any close calls? Because I feel like if you're going to other countries, there's got to be mishaps. There's got to be some shenanigans, some drunken nights, some some uh, you know weird times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, man. We're getting into this dystopia tonight. If we got, <laughs> give us your best. All right, uh, one of my best is without mentioning any names, of course. I get to where I was going, and the guy from the labels there, uh, okay, we have a great time. The show's tomorrow night. We got promo today, and tomorrow morning, really early at 7 a.m., we have this TV show. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he calls me at 9. Okay, uh, you know, all these people, they want to meet you. I'll be there. Let's meet in the lobby. We can go out. You know, there's these beautiful women. And stuff. No, dude, I got to get up. We have 6 in the morning, this TV, you know, it's a new show at 7 a.m. today. Oh, of the yeah, show. dude. And so, I went to bed <laughs> like a good boy. <laughs> I get up and get out of the shower. Hamilton's not there in the lobby. Uh, and then it's like 6.30 and I'm calling. That, I knock on his room. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> 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 I swear. <laughs> and so someone else took me into the thing and then he shows up. Like this guy shows up like about 45 minutes later. And everyone, the, the crew, like it's obvious, you know, the guy's been like up all night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We all just started laughing. Like, <laughs> oh my god, that's incredible! I love that you left out. I like without giving any names. I don't want to like that. <laughs> I've had a, we've had a couple instances where people have like called back and been like, "Can you block out that whole section?" <laughs> I thought, yeah, I'm previous guest. Yeah, which we, which I'm always like, yes, absolutely. Like, I totally understand. You're rambling on a podcast. You're not thinking about it. <laughs> the names and you know. <laughs> prison record numbers and <laughs> you're like oh shit well the, another one that, which isn't so funny but it's a, this is an amazing story um my guy does my set designs and, and lights he's, mm. he's based in la and you guys know jenny rivera she's mexican huge and yes unfortunately all right he was with her in mexico they finished the show gets back to the hotel they have a private plane ready to go mm-hmm. he's like a shower because he was all sweaty he gets out of the shower and they're fucking left without me he was like really pissed off Puts his phone down. Now he's got to fly commercially the next day. Gets right. up the next morning, finds out what happened. And wow. I mean, to this day, he's like, you, know, you talk to him. How's I'm so? How's your family? And he's he's like so grateful to be anywhere. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy man. Isn't that insane? Because of a shower, it's like. Yeah. Exactly. You missed that. I there's like a couple stories I know from people who've told me stuff kind of similar, like about like family members who had just missed a flight, like st- stuff like that that happened, and I'm like. That's got to be for a reason. Like it's insane. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Bunch of close, uh, odd enough, like close calls or whatever. It's. I feel like that's like. I feel like the more you travel, though, and the more you're out, stuff like that's just bound to happen. You know what I mean? Like there's no way. Because if you're on yeah. the road constantly and you're just in the air and the sky and stuff, you know. I had. And it's I had all- a, 
I'm not, like I said, I'm not a great, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a decent flyer, but you know, I'm not like one of those dudes like running up and down the aisle when he went up terribly. But, um, of course I'm not a good, I can't sleep on planes ever. Like, it's just not my thing. Right. I feel like if I fall asleep, the pilot's going to fall, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's just not, it's a bad, it's a bad thing. So I'm like, I got to stay vigilant, but I'm on this flight and I'm coming back, uh, just from like a week of shows and I'm just like, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just ready to zonk out. And I get comfortable in my seat and I'm about to, like, they're doing the whole, boom, you know, like talking. I'm like, I don't fucking need to hear it. I'm just going to boop, boop. So I lean back, I go to go to sleep and we drop a hundred feet because they, yeah. And like the dude next to me falls out of the seat, you know, you see glasses going up in the air. I swear to God, I will never shut my fucking eyes <laughs> <laughs> again. But like, yeah, the, like the, the pilot came back on. He was like, oh, we hit a bit of an air pocket there. I'm like, I don't need a name. I just need you to not do that shit again. Don't explain. <laughs> you know, but yeah, apparently you can hit these like, you know, I don't know. I guess it's called an air pocket where like you, you lose, you have to drop down quickly or lose, you know, whatever. But what's funny was the rest of that flight, no one gave a fuck about the seatbelt sign. Like people were up talking to me. Like I had this one guy was like leaning on like my, my row of chairs or whatever. He's like, Hey, where are you from? How you been? <laughs> no one cared. Like near death experience. Everyone was like, what's up? You want a Twizzler? I'm like, <laughs> don't want this to happen again. And <laughs> like, I feel shit. I feel like on travel, I always just look at the attendants. Like if the attendants look freaked out, then I'll worry. If not, I'm going right back to bed. Like I'm like, because they've been, it's kind of like, I feel like it would be equitable to putting somebody on a stage or in front of a crowd. Like they don't know what to do. They're going to freak out. So that's who we are as passengers. Yeah. Like, they've been there a million times and they're just like, meh. <laughs> and they keep moving. You don't get the feeling that you're sitting there watching the interaction between between them and the, and the, the passengers. It's like, okay, you hate us and we hate you. It's kind of that. <laughs> and everyone's acting nice. <laughs> Sometimes yes. not, but yeah. a lot of times it's like you can feel this like weirdness. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. We had um uh for whatever reason I was on a flight and uh the back my side of the uh yeah, their faces more. Exactly. Somebody said their faces more. Uh, it, it it it's true. But we were we were on this one flight or whatever, and the back end of the plane that I was in, because I you know just in case anybody wants to know, I fly coach. Uh, <laughs> I'm like I was on the last leg of that flight. Uh, <laughs> actually built a compartment. That's how poor I am. Uh, and they're like, you're not gonna be in the plane, but you're gonna be adjacent. You're in a cage with dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like they fit a cage outside the window, and I'm just hanging up. Um, but you know, all the electrical shit, like was like our movie screens weren't working. You know, like uh, the lighting wasn't working in the back or whatever. And and this woman behind me was just bitching and just you know beating up the, like the stewardess ever. And she was like, "This is the worst thing that could possibly happen right now." And I was like, "Oh, we are." Thirty thousand feet in the air, ma'am. I'm like, oh, you have some perspective, and she was, like, I actually whipped around and said it. She was like, "Oh, like, yeah, shut the fuck up." That's hilarious. Yeah, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen right now. I was like, "Ma'am, reel that in." <laughs> Sorry, your movie screen doesn't work, but everything else that needs to be working seems to be functioning properly. <laughs> But th doesn't it hurt when you're on a plane and you're walking in past first class and there's a guy that has a stand-up base, has its own seat in first class, and I'm oh yeah, and I'm <laughs> you're like, all right, I'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> because that stand-up base couldn't have taken that seat 
where I was with the two 400 pound men on each side of me. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of shit I do like just to, just to kind of get one out. Like I won't pay attention to the boarding numbers. Like I board when I want to fucking board. Like I'm (laughs) like, I want, I want my bag in the over. And the funny thing is, is that it's such an awkward situation that no one ever says anything. So like they'll look at me and be like, "There's no fucking way he's in row one." You know what I mean? Like, cause I look like how the you know dude who gave Jenny AIDS and Forrest Gump. So like, there's like there's that whole <laughs> there's that whole you know look thing. And then, uh, but I want to get my seat in the things, and then they'll scan the ticket, and obviously they can see whatever. They're just like fucking let him up. And then I'm sitting all the way in the coach by myself with no because no one's boarded yet. It's great. Well, sometimes they enjoy it. They're like, you know, they call group one, group two. Then someone comes up, sir, we haven't called group fourteen yet. Just <laughs> 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 to embarrass the shit out of the <laughs> exactly. So many like, group was that? That <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was one or four. Like I got my option. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. No, I get it. I'll wait in the back. <laughs> yeah, I've um. Well, like, what? So I, I, I feel like I like actors and and comedians get to do this kind of shit. Do have you ever taken a set piece from anything you performed at? Something from the theater memorabilia? I love asking this question because I feel like performers are all sort of kleptos and nostalgic in weird ways. Like I have a um. Like the number of the of one of these gigs that I had, you know, like they give you like a little number for the table or whatever that you're sitting at, like a reserve thing. I took it. I don't know why, but I did. Oh yeah, like table eight, that kind of thing. Yeah, I yeah. Do. That's cool. Then you, you only you will remember what that's from in that moment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're just gonna toss it anyway. It's like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Nobody needs that shit. <laughs> it, I'm like, oh, I really like this room. I I remember where I am, and I'm taking the fucking. I'll, I'll take the number and I'll take a couple forks and a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I could sell this shit later. I'm sure he's going to need. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do musicians do that kind of, you guys take stuff from like the backstage areas and shit? Uh, you like I'm trying to get you arrested towards the end of this episode. I'm like, <laughs> tell me some dangerous shit you've done. <laughs> Anything illegal. Well, it used to be really cool, um, you know, back when there were hard copy of CDs and between, you know, speaking of the brethren, musicians and other artists, you could sign it for your uh, brother. This is for you. Thanks so much. Nice. And that meant so much, you know, a shelf full of them, you know, of just close friends that, you know, words from the heart. And now yeah. you can't do that anymore. It's just, you know, they sent you a link. Here's a link. Yeah, dude, check it out. Yeah. 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 I miss those kind of touches for stuff like that too. I don't know. I, I was talking to somebody the other day just about like, it's probably another, probably a guest. Um, but <laughs> whatever it is, like we were just kind of like talking about how like, there's just certain things um, that you kind of wish still exist. Like I get it. Like things are kind of getting better and technology makes it possible to do whatever, but I kind of missed forced interaction a little bit. Like, cause that's, that is how you kind of make friends and meet new people and whatever. And it's, you know, it's hard to do that when you don't have to call somebody on the phone. Like, like I feel like whenever I call to make a business, you know, deal or, or talk to somebody, they're thrown by that completely. They're like, you didn't email or text. And I'm like, no, I kind of want to just fucking talk. <laughs> like, see if we can edit this out. And then at the end of the conversation, they're still like, okay, but email me though. Everything we just said verbatim. <laughs> it's funny. You say that I was with them. Um, they're playing with this, um, 
one of my agents from Loud and Live. He's, he does all the production stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he does a bunch of tours with everyone. And they're all, they're working, they're doing mine, and they're doing Julio Iglesias. Who's, and so he oh. says, Julio picks up the phone to this day. And he said, Thursday last week, Edgar, it's Julio, come How are you doing? And then Edgar was it's like, it's the voice of God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not an email from the secretary or someone like that. It was Julio. Right. On a phone talking to you know mm -hmm. just yeah. like you're saying yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's so weird i did um i called do, do you know who elliot gould is yeah of course okay. all right everybody I, I you know it's one of those things so i i'm pretty either look either whatever it is in your brain that's supposed to stop you from doing shit like that is burnt out in mine because <laughs> i just don't like my my we were trying to get where we we got him to come where he's going to be coming on the show or whatever but my uh my manager was like, listen, I think I got Elliot Gould's number. If you want to give it a shot, like go. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. It was like 2 p.m. on a, like a Tuesday. <laughs> and like, I literally, I called him and he picked up his own phone and it blew me the fuck away. And it was kind of funny because by the end of the conversation, he was like, yeah, you got lucky because I usually don't answer this thing. Uh, <laughs> That's so what'd you say? He obviously knows who you are and all that. So you said, I am John, you know. Yeah, yeah, he was he was really cool on the phone, and he started like um, it's kind of funny because I feel like he is he he did appreciate the phone call as opposed to like somebody getting in touch with somebody else who got into you know and then an email or whatever because he started uh, asking me about my background because he's from Brooklyn too yeah and born in Brooklyn or whatever so he was like well what part of Brooklyn and where and what was your family like and where'd you grow up? so it was it was a bizarre conversation because he did, he didn't give a shit about what we did on the show he was like I'll do your show but who are you which yeah. I thought was a a really like a, a refreshing kind of personal take. Super. That's very cool. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a beautiful thing. I feel like that's the key to all. I feel like all of us, no matter where we are at what station in life, just want to connect with other people. Right. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people that are the higher you go, don't get the chance for a, na a normal connection. It's usually right. somebody wants something from you as opposed to being just, how's your day? Everything's going all right. Good. Glad to hear. <laughs> Wait, someone wants to talk to you. Hmm, what do they want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> this is this is gonna sound terrible, but uh, my you know my friend one of my friends always jokes around because you know we had we had Ed Asner on the show and um, it was just one of those things where uh, he was just like you know I was like yeah he was great he was a lot of fun and I talked to him on the phone I talked to him on the phone a few times leading up to it just to kind of get him familiar with who I was you know he's ninety one years old and wow. my friend was just like yeah and he's like you're the grandkid that calls. <laughs> 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 he's like yeah you're now that person that calls to talk to when they won't and i was like that's an interesting take on it but also now i feel bad <laughs> like no one's calling them but me that's so sad <laughs> you gotta trade up man i don't have any <laughs> oh that's a that's a bummer um i gotta ask you because we're gonna <clears throat> we're getting close to the the hour but i gotta ask you this because we ask everybody this and it's our signature thing on the show, and it's one of my favorite questions to ask, um, is if you had the ability to go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, something only you know now that could help you either in your career or in life, what would it be? Uh, it, would, it would be what someone had told me once, but I never really paid it. Well, I did, but I did it. It's that the word no doesn't exist. When someone says no, it's not right now. That's all it means. Yeah, you know, I finally learned that. But starting now, if someone said no, I'm like, oh, how could you not like this? I spent six months on this project, and then 
it, it, it took a while, but then now I, I write a song, you know, at this point for Mark or for, for anywhere, whatever. I know I'm not feeling it. Okay. You know, whatever, but it, it took a while. And for you guys too, I'm you know, the rejection in what we do is yeah. so high. And someone that doesn't know you, doesn't know the talent you have, doesn't know what, how much work you've put into what you're doing. Uh, so yeah, the word no doesn't exist. Wow. That that is, <laughs> that's a great way to put it, man. Cause I know exactly what you mean. And I never really thought of it that way, but yeah, like you'll go to pitch something and then they're like, absolutely not. And I remember feeling, you know, that immediately like dejected by it or whatever. But the funny thing is that if you do go back six months later and go like, Hey, I've got this thing, they're in a different mood. They're in a different headspace. Maybe they've heard of you or they've seen some stuff and the whole thing fucking changes like that. Well, thing, yeah. And the whole, the whole perception is completely different. Yeah. That's a great point, man. It is. Uh, what have you got? So what, are you going back out on the road? You said, yes, I'm so excited. Uh, first week in November between New York and LA and Miami and Puerto Rico. Oh, uh, nice. And then um, um, for sure in 2022, Latin America's behind uh, us still with COVID. Yeah. But, um, they want us to do Mexico, uh, Chile, and Colombia. So I'm so oh, fantastic. To do that yeah, and get get back out there again and and just <laughs> play in front of where people. <laughs> where are you gonna Where are you gonna be in New York, man? We'll come see you. Oh, that'd be great. Um, I don't. We don't know yet. I did last time in November of 2019. I played Sony Hall. Oh right. wow, that's awesome, dude. That was a lot of fun. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, one. So we're looking at venues right now. Uh, there's a lot of availability. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> you have your pick of the town. I was in I was in New York the other day, man, and it is kind of weird because in spite of like you know things quote unquote opening up or whatever, it feels uh, emptier than it was. Really. Yeah, yeah. I was, um, I mean, you know, you, you just you have tours, stuff like that. Like, I feel like certain places like Comedy Cellar, McDougal Street was where I was left when I did my show, whatever. Uh, that was packed. College uh -huh. kids are in that area. You know, they don't get yeah. anything. So they're just like out in full force or whatever. But like, you know, some of the touristy like shit, like we were just in South Street by South Street Seaport or whatever. It was empty. There was like nothing going on. Uh -huh. So it was really kind of, but yeah, I can imagine that you got your pick of uh, wherever you, wherever you want to go. <laughs> well, you'll be back. You guys will be back live probably in New York in the fall, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's coming back. Like it's 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 hitting here and there. It's just getting it's it's a weird animal because everybody is ready and they're booking and coming back. But now we're getting like a lot of chirping of it's going to close down again. It's going to this. It's going to that. So people, I think, are tentative. Mm -hmm. about you know pulling triggers on this show or that show i was gonna say we will definitely come see you in new york but i want to go see him in latin america because i feel like those concerts are amazing like did they, i not just fucking tell you i flew coach what is wrong with <laughs> i cannot afford no, <laughs> no i love he ups the chain. He's like i'd go see new york but i want to go to i want to go to Chile too tom <laughs> machu picchu how Peru. dare you <laughs> <laughs> unless unless arthur wants to fit me in his luggage i'm tiny man i i look i'm compact hey let's go let's go <laughs> what john's saying is he fits in a carry-on <laughs> like, we didn't know you played the oboe and it's just me like you know, <laughs> crunched in there it's fine man i'm flexible <laughs> awesome oh dude thank you so so much for coming on I, I was great getting to know you and getting to talk to you man you're uh incredible and you got to come back on with us yeah next time in person get some drinks and uh, absolutely music and comedy yes man <laughs> so absolutely man it's so great so great to talk to you thank you so much awesome absolutely. guys thanks.
Dystopia tonight.